Good morning, Harvest Bible Chapel. My name is uh, Chris Persons. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Harvest. And uh, this morning, I also brought up my lovely bride. Um, her name is Crystal um, to help me out with message uh, here to start off with. And, uh, you know, when you're walking up here, Crystal is just thinking, man, she's really good looking, very attractive. And uh, never get old of uh, just how hot you are. So just... Uh, Thanks for coming up front here uh, this morning and being a part of the message with me. And how do you, do you think I look okay this morning too? Yes. Very all right. All right. <laughs> she has to say that because I am sporting two uh, Christmas gifts from her today, right? right? My flannel shirt that she got me, and you maybe notice there's a little glisten to my beard. She got me some beard oil uh, also for Christmas. And uh, when you're thinking of like, I think of the passage where it talks about, you know. Uh, older women teach younger women, and I, I don't consider you old, but I would say there is some younger, probably ladies out here, maybe two or three younger than you. Um, not only is she good looking, she's very wise, right? So if you think about, like, what should you get the men in your life, you know, um, brothers and, and, um, and husbands or whatever it is, your fathers, right? Flannel, beer oil, very wise gifts there, uh, maybe occasional stocking stuffer of a power tool, you know. Uh, you just you hit a home run every time. So thanks for uh, being part of the message, and thanks uh, for letting me flirt with you a little bit here up on the stage um, as well. Um, today I'm excited. We're going to be getting into, we're going to do a little, it's our last, it's a privilege, it's the last message basically of 2018 uh, here this morning, and uh, we want to finish strong. And one thing that uh, Pastor Steve kind of discerned, which is a great idea, is that let's do a little recap of this 5G um, sermon series that we did this fall, and this, the tagline being Live It. Let's, let's go back to that and kind of like, hey, what does this look like uh, moving forward now, living it into 2019? And um, it's something that we want to go after this morning. So thinking of the 5Gs, right? Glorifying, growing, grateful, gracious, generous, all these things, right? Um, we're going to take some time to open your Bibles, so go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 to start with, Romans chapter 6, and what I'd like to do for this first part of the message is just open the Bible and give the Spirit a chance just to speak to you, all right? So um, later on, I'm going to be speaking to you, but I want the Spirit to just uh, work and interact with the Word of God. So open it up to Romans chapter 6, and you're going to find out there's a lot of passages that we could use. There's a ton from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from any of the epistles that we could use to point out about this tagline of living it, living it being the five Gs, right? Um, don't, we're not going to see the five Gs in the passages that I'm taking you to, but you're going to see this emphasis and look as we read, look for patterns of like, uh, words that come up that might be like, uh, what are we set free to do? The word life is in it a lot. Uh, what are we called to do? What are we created for? How should we work and how should we walk for Jesus Christ? And it fits into that live it kind of part of the tagline of the five Gs. So what we're going to do, you got your sermon outlines, hopefully uh, from your bulletin. There's 13 passages there. We're going to just look I just decided, let's pick on Paul and take his epistles. There's 13 uh, epistles of Paul. So we're going to start in Romans. I chose this one passage there. Um, when, after Crystal reads it, I want you to just uh, delay uh, for about five to ten seconds and just think about what is the Lord speaking to you through that passage about living it, all right, for him. 
Maybe make some notes, maybe underline something, and then turn over to the next passage. I'm not going to tell you to turn or anything, but you have in your bulletin what the next passage is. It's just the very next book over. So we go Romans, then turn over to 1 Corinthians, and then turn over to 2 Corinthians, and we're just going to walk through. Not going to do any interpretation. I just want the Spirit to, to speak to you. So let's, uh, we're going to call these Paul's Power Punch Passages for Living In. All right, so Romans, start off, off Crystal, in verse uh, 6 through 7. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. First Corinthians 7, verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. Second Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. First Thessalonians 4, 1-3 Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of the God, your sanctification. Second Thessalonians 2, 16-17 Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. First Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Second Timothy 2.11. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Titus 3.8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Philemon 4 through 7. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, 
because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Lord, uh, just uh, thank you for your word this morning. Uh, Thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. Um, Your word speaks to us, Lord, and help us to uh, just be so excited about what you have for us today from your word, what it means to live a 5G life. Thank you for the work that you've done already and that you're going to continue to do in 2019, Lord. We just pray that we would uh, continue to have open minds and hearts. Let your spirit uh, just reign in us, Lord, and we just pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, Crystal. So we're going to get into how we can live uh, this uh, 5G life in 2019. And um, today it's not going to be something drastically new. We didn't add a 6G. We didn't switch uh, it from 5Gs to 5Ps or um, but we are going to take a little fresh look at what it means to live a 5G life and what it means to move forward in 2019. And it's going to be a lot of the same, let's, let's do it again. You know, let's pursue these things even more so. Now, when we're talking about these 5Gs, um, we're, we, these are really just distinguishing attributes or characteristics of a life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, these are characteristics that we want to pattern after him. We would say that uh, Christ, the Son of God, um, showed these five Gs in how he lived his life, that he was glorifying, that he was growing, that he was generous and grateful and gracious. And we want to pattern our life after the life of Jesus Christ and pursue that in 2019. I think if people could, um, the world around us could uh, taste us, touch us, smell us, see us, hear us um, as Christians, hopefully they would catch on that we are a 5G um, uh, we're living a 5G lifestyle for sure. So these 5Gs set us um, apart from the world, but set us unto God. Um, these are things that we don't ever arrive at. We don't ever say, oh man, I've, I've got this mastered in my life. Uh, these are things that we will continue to uh, cultivate in our lives. These are things that we will continue to pursue um, to be more like Christ in, to bring about more maturity in, in our hearts, but also in the hearts and lives of those also around us. So let's start off with our first one from our uh, sermon series, the 5Gs. The first one was glorifying. If I could give a little uh, refreshment to that or retake of it, uh, I put on the screen, glorifying means I commit to making my life about Christ. I really commit to making my life about Christ. If you think about glorifying, we're really made for this, to glorify the Lord Christ. Jesus, you know, we were um, created, it says, from the beginning of time in Genesis 1, that we were created in God's image. That means we were uh, made to resemble God himself and to then resemble what glory is and reflect that glory back to God. But what happened? Well, we see in uh, Genesis 3, we see something happened. Um, What happened in Genesis 3 3 is sin entered the world, and this is why I blame uh, or cast blame to this passage, why I hate snakes today, Right? Um, you know, it was a serpent, but then it turned in, you know, lost his legs because of the curse and it turned into a snake. And uh, I kind of live in a, uh, close to some fields and stuff like that. And once in a while, my kids will 
come across a garter snake or something like that and it just freaks me out. One time they like trampled one with their bare feet and they didn't realize they were doing that. And another time they found some with some neighbor kids. And I still hate snakes because of what happened in Genesis 3, at least I think it's a biblical reason, right, to detest snakes, um, is we see the deception of the servant of Adam and Eve and casting this unbelief and this doubt into their hearts and lives, right? Uh, casting this doubt. And because of that, they, they sinned. And sin entered the world. And I think ever since then, um, this whole idea of glorifying the Lord, we have two avenues now because of sin in our heart. We can either glorify God, which I think we want to do and desire to do, but our natural bent because of sin in our heart is sometimes just to glorify ourselves instead. We naturally lean that way. It was never designed that way. God created us to bend the glory towards him, uh, but because of sin, we tend to sometimes take the glory for ourselves. Some of you might be watching uh, the Vikings dominate the Bears later this afternoon. I'm hopefully being a prophet right now, um, but we'll see. (laughs) But you'll see some of the players there, not all of them, but some of them, right? When something good happens, right? They score a touchdown or make a big play, right? It's all about this, right? Uh, Kind of assuming that glory uh, for themselves. They want to make sure that everyone knows they were the person that did that really amazing, incredible thing, right? And uh, we kind of laugh at that, but in all honesty, we sometimes do that on our own heart and life. We might not do the visual thing, but like when we do something spiritual for the Lord, we kind of take this inward credit and it's easy to glorify ourselves in that moment. It's easier to have this, um, to say all the right things, but really still have a lot of pride in our heart and that's just false humility. We sometimes mask our our outward appearance with false humility and there's a lot of inward pointing, uh, good thing I did that or good thing I shared that or good thing I taught that or good thing I did this or shared with this person and it's easy to take that that pride and assume the glory for ourselves instead of pointing it to the Lord. To glory, uh, bring glory to God means we simply recognize uh, that God is alone glorious and therefore we ascribe all worth to him. We ascribe all credit to him. We ascribe all honor and dignity towards him and him alone. And hopefully how we live our lives as a 5G life, um, that, the dis- that displays then his glory. When Steve was talking on this message, he asked the question, are you ready to reflect God's glory? Are you ready? Is your heart in a spot where you're ready to reflect God's glory? I think a good test of this even is uh, uh, when things are going well, it's easy to kind of at least uh, just naturally like say praise God for that and give him the glory, at least outwardly uh, do that. But when things are going rough, sometimes or things aren't going as what we hope they would go, sometimes it's easy for us to um, guard our own reputation in those situations our own character in those situations instead of being more concerned about like what does this mean to furthering the kingdom of Christ? What do these ramifications, how things aren't going well, what does that mean for the church and for other people and making disciples? We get in a self-deprective mode, meaning that we want to keep as much glory for ourselves instead of being selfless and making sure that the name of Jesus Christ is what's truly exalted and he is the one that is glorified in those uh, moments. Think about it this way, as you set your plans, your goals, your calendars, your week-to-week flow for 2019, keep in mind that uh, we want, we desire to glorify Christ with our lives. So how can I make, you fill in the blank, more about him uh, this upcoming year and less about myself? I think we, can we do that? Can we, can we do that together, really pursue uh, to glorify the Lord more about him, less about me in 2019? The second G was growing. 
Second Gene is growing. I, I put it this way. I intentionally pursue the Lord and engage his church. I intentionally pursue the Lord and engage his church. This is nothing new. Um, if you've ever been to step two, how many of you have been to step two? A lot of you. If you haven't had a chance to go to step two, I'd encourage you to do this. And there we talk about the three W's, worship, walk, and work. And during the walk section, we kind of emphasize this point, right? That you need to pursue the Lord on your own, spiritual disciplines. And you also need to pursue the Lord through community, through his church, through small groups. And uh, the word walk is what we've chosen because that's the, uh, the word that the Bible uses the most, um, is the word walk. Paul uses it all the time, equating our spiritual life to a walk, right? And we say that you have to use both feet that God is giving you to walk successfully and to grow in the Lord. He means you're using both feet. Sometimes uh, we use one foot, like just the spiritual disciplines part of it, like I'm just going to hop along on this and, you know, not go to church or not go to small group. I'm just going to kind of hop my way through, you know, I can, it's just me and God. I'm going to hop my way through and I can make some growth. I can make some um, growth that happens from that, but it's a lot more tiring. It's a lot more exhausting, right? And we can do the opposite where I'm just totally dependent upon the church for my growth. I'm totally dependent on my small group for my growth and then set aside my own personal walk with the Lord instead. And once again, I'm hopping, just hopping along week to week, uh, small group night to small group, just trying to make it, right? And it's an exhausting way to kind of grow in the Lord. And it's far easier to get exhausted and burnt out in those situations. It's easier to stumble into sin instead of using both feet that God has given us to walk and grow in the Lord. That's where you need to see the most growth uh, for you and, and even moving forward in 2019 that you are first intentionally pursuing the Lord. I think Steve used the passage in Colossians 1 where it talks about our heart is to teach everyone, right, and bring about to the maturity in Jesus Christ. That's what walking and growing is all about. So how can I intentionally pursue the Lord, that first half of that? Are you delighting in a relationship with Christ? Do you desire to spend time with him? And if we're honest with ourselves, at least if I'm honest with myself, I know I go in and out of seasons of being hot in my walk with the Lord, and I go cold sometimes or lukewarm at other times. Some of you have been in there before as well, right? Um, how can I intentionally be, though, pursue the Lord then in 2019 so I can have a fervent walk with the Lord, a growing walk with the Lord? I know it involves the word. I know that's to be true, that we need to be defined by being a person, a lady or a man of the word. Um, I also need to be abiding in the spirit, right? If I'm going to get anything from the word, it means I need to be abiding in the spirit, turning away from sin and, and pressing into him, abiding in the true vine, I need to be intentional with my prayer and fasting this year in 2019. If I don't make plans for these things, I know it won't happen, right? We can be the best planners. I don't know, I'm really good at or like thinking about like the dreams and the vision of what everything I want to look like and then fall short in the plan and then that doesn't happen. So we need to be intentional about our pursuit of Jesus Christ in 2019. And maybe you're in a spot where you're feeling a little stale, you're feeling a little cold or lukewarmish, and um, obviously you need to get in the Word. But thankfully, God has also given us um, other resources that are centered around the Word, um, maybe different devotionals that we can do or different podcasts that we can listen to to help us, right? Sometimes we got to feed ourselves, but then sometimes God brings us somebody in a resource to help feed ourselves even better, somebody else. And one uh, resource that I've used in the past is this book uh, called My Heart, Christ Home. 
and I love this book. This is my kind of book, right? So I just finished my master's. I'm going to get my degree here in the mail here any day. Um, I had to read a lot of thick books. Um, I'm grateful for books like this size, you know. And sometimes the books this size is like the most impactful in my heart and life, right? And it's very Christ-centered. And then, uh, if you're in a spot where you just need some refreshment, I encourage you to read this book, right? You can read this in a day. Um, in an hour, you could read this book, right? And um, My Heart, Christ's Home, and what... What the author does here is he uh, talks about how Christ desires to have a relationship with you. Like he delights in having a relationship with you. And then he goes in talking about if you intentionally engage in that relationship, right, he will transform your heart. He'll transform it from the inside out. You'll be a changed person, right? And that's what God wants to do with you every time you meet with him uh, on your personal own journey each and every day, right? So I encourage you to read this. You can get it on, it's hard to find it on Amazon. It's a little confusing at least, but you can find it on ChristianBookDisturberCZBD.com. You can get one copy ebook for just about a buck, worthy investment, right? Um, you, can get eight, or you get five copies for $8. Or if you're a generous person, hint, hint, <laughs> coming a little bit later, you can get 10 copies for or uh, 25 copies for 10 bucks and pass them out to your small group and different things like that, right? Uh, so maybe that's part of your plan to growing this year is that you're intentionally using some extra resources to kind of stoke the fires for your personal walk with the Lord. Or maybe your plan would be this. Maybe your plan is just to um, maybe read through the New Testament this year. That would be a great plan, right? Or maybe uh, read through a third of the Old Testament this year. I think those are great things to do. Or maybe it's... Uh, uh, putting a time in a calendar to have a real conversation with God every day, you know. Hint, hint, those will sound kind of familiar, right? They should, 10-year vision stuff, right? Not that you have to do those things, but we would say that's a healthy um, thing to go after, and that will help you grow in the Lord this year for 2019 if you choose to engage in those things. So intentionally pursue it, uh, growing in the Lord on your own, but then also engage the church was the second part of that. Engage the church through community, um, especially through our small groups, I would say a strength of Harvest Rochester um, Bible Chapel is the body of um, communities that we have through our small groups. Um, it's really cool to think about this. Uh, um, industry standards for a small group involvement within a church is that they would expect about 40% of adults to be engaged in a small group ministry if a church offers that, right? Um, even Big Harvest, you know, they set the bar higher. They're like, uh, if usually they see around 50% engagement of adults that call Harvest their home in small groups. Here at Harvest Rochester, we have 70 to 75 adults that call Harvest their home engaged in a small group, which is awesome. God is doing a great work in and through our small groups, uh, for sure. And uh, we don't see that happening on Sunday because it happens during the week. Um, and it is, uh, it's not God's design for any of us to do life alone, right? Uh, he's given us community, he's given us one another, and uh, um, it can be kind of scary joining a small group because you just never know what you're going to get in a small group. There's going to be people that you don't have similar interests to or different commonalities to, and there, some of them are going to be a little uh, maybe strange or peculiar. I'm kind of like the strange and peculiar person in my small group, so sorry about that if you're in my small group. Um, but you're going you're gonna to have some uncommonalities, but you know what binds us together, what unifies us together is the Spirit right? That's our common grounds. And people that I wouldn't naturally have a relationship with, because we don't have any commonality, we find commonality in Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden we start becoming a family. And instead of looking at our differences as like, oh man, that's weird, or that's different, we come to appreciate our uniquenesses in Christ, and we see each other's giftings and different perspectives that actually can help me grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ as well. 
and we become a family. It doesn't always go perfect, right? Because families don't always go perfect. Uh, but we can grow together, and we can learn to love each other, forgive one another, to serve together, and be bonded at the heart together. Can I just have our small group leader? If you're here and you're a small group leader, can you just uh, stand up? Uh, just where you at and stay standing until you tell you to sit down. Go ahead and have a stand, yeah. Lots of small group leaders here this morning. So just wanted to give honor to honors you. Thank you for leading small group. Don't sit down yet. I didn't say sit down yet, Mark. <laughs> give honor to honors you. Um, these are people on the front line of discipleship on a regular basis, pouring out for the, uh, the church, the kingdom of Christ, to making disciples. So thank you for doing that. I want you to stay standing, partially because if you're here this morning and you're not yet connected to a small group, right? Uh, we have an open culture of invite, all right? So if you're not yet in a small group, I'd encourage you to find a face that you like here. And um, uh, after the service, start asking about, like, hey, can I join your small group? Can I be a part of your small group community? Uh, we'd love to have you do that this morning. So pick out a face, um, come and ask about their small group, and join a small group this morning. And that might be part of your plan for growing in 2019, all right? Thank you, small group leaders. You can have a seat. What a privilege to do. Um, I oversee small group ministries. I see so many friends, people I love so dearly do ministry with these uh, small group leaders. It's truly a privilege. All right, um, let's go on to our third G that we're reviewing. Five Gs, right? We already done glorifying, we done growing. Let's go to grateful as our next one. I summed it up this way. I regularly dwell on God's goodness in my life. I regularly dwell on God's goodness. Now there's a lot of things I have the tendency to dwell on. Uh, in my thoughts, in my minds, but do I regularly make it a part that I'm dwelling on God's goodness? I find that if I do that, then I become a grateful person, right? If I choose to dwell on other things, the muck and the mire of life, then I tend to become more of an ungrateful person, just being honest and real with you. And Stephen, his message, he took us to uh, a book in the Bible that we rarely hear a sermon from, right? First Chronicles 16. Ironically, I was there in my own personal walk this morning, first revisiting that, and First Chronicles 16, and verse 34, he read, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. You know, if we're going to be a grateful person, I wish it was the easiest flicking a light switch. Like, oh man, I'm not very grateful. I wish I could just flick that switch and now I'm a grateful person. It's not that easy, right? Um, whether we're grateful or not is really a reflection of our heart, and it's really a reflection of our mindset. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this uh, curriculum, Think Differently. Some of you have maybe done this in small group, um, or maybe you're doing that study right now, but this has been a really transforming study, and a lot of our small groups have gone over this thinking differently, and this is what it says, kind of their promo thing. Uh, nothing is different until you think differently. Isn't that true? We're like, nothing's going to change. We want to change our circumstances, but sometimes our circumstances can't change, so we'd have to change our perspective, right? Nothing's going to be different until we think differently. Why does Bill lose his temper and yell at his wife? Why uh, does she respond by having a second or third glass of wine every night to dull her pain? Why is the daughter so deeply involved in sinful and shameful behavior that never delivers what she's looking for? The reason is the way they think. Beyond behaviors and deeper than attitudes, thinking determines uh, outcome more than anything else. If you repeatedly find yourself in places you don't want to go, in your mind, it's easy. It's your thinking that's leading you there. God offers you only hope for victory over disposition, dysfunction, dysfunctionality, double-mindedness, and every mental stronger. With him, you can truly think different. 
So much of how we feel and how we act is really based upon how we think. And if we're struggling with uh, being grateful, then we need to change our perspective and really think differently. I think of Paul as he urges us in Colossians chapter 3, which we just read uh, this morning, right? He tells us to set our mind on things above, right? Because I can really get an earthly perspective, and that's not very fun to have, and that helps me not be grateful at times, but I can set my things, my mindset on eternal perspective. I have an interaction in the horizontal ways uh, of life, and that really helps me to be grateful then. So I can set my mind on things above, have an eternal mindset, a greater picture mindset than getting trapped in the moment of today. Also, Paul also writes in uh, Philippians 4, I think it's around verse 12 or 13, where it says, you know, it really doesn't matter what circumstance I find myself in, whether I have a, a little or a lot, abundant, whether I'm weak or strong, and he says, it doesn't really matter. In all things, I find that I can be content. And contentment is really a fruit of gratefulness in your heart. When you're grateful, you'll find contentment there. What does it look like to choose to dwell on God's goodness more for in 2019 over maybe your situations or circumstances that aren't so great? What would it look like if we renewed our minds daily and really thought about how God has dealt with me or dealt with us bountifully, as the word of God says, abundantly he's dealt with us, favorably, graciously, lovingly, mercifully, won't that help our mindset go a lot towards being a grateful person? I have three things that I wrote down. Gratefulness means I remind myself what I appreciate about God the most. That's a regular daily thing. Gratefulness means I remind myself what I appreciate about God the most, that he is loving, that he is always with me, right? That he has my best interest in mind, that he is good. I'm reminding myself of that, and that helps me to be grateful, Grateful means I remind myself what I preach about God the most. Gratefulness means I know God is at work no matter what is happening. Gratefulness means I know God is at work no matter what is happening, right? My mind, when my mind is spinning out of control, I tend to forget that God is in control. When my mind is spinning out of control, I can tend to forget that God is still in control. I think of James chapter 1 where he says, you know, it doesn't matter what various trials come to me, I'm going to count it all joy right? I think he's realizing that God is still in control and he's doing a work in and through me first through those trials. I also think of uh, in going back to Ephesians 4 where it's talking about um, being um, once again content. I already said that, but being content in all things is a sign of being grateful in all those things. It's a mindset. So gratefulness means I know God is at work no matter what, what is happening. Gratefulness also means I am a byproduct of God's goodness in my life, right? When I realize how, God, how good God is, right, then the byproduct of that realization day by day, moment by moment, is gratefulness. Let's go to our fourth G. Our fourth G is uh, gracious. Gracious. I, will, I receive and extend God's grace. Gracious. I receive and extend God's grace. Now, usually you fall in uh, one of two camps with graciousness, all right? One of two camps. First camp, uh, this might apply to you, it may not, uh, but we tend not to be gracious with ourselves, all right? We can be gracious all day with other people, but when it comes to ourselves, we're very ungracious and we're reluctant to receive God's grace with ourselves. Sometimes we hold ourselves to a higher standard, I believe, than what God even holds us to. 
I think it was 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through uh, 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, Therefore, in response, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. What? I'll boast in my weaknesses? I'm telling you, if you watch the Bears and Vikings games today, if somebody fumbles the ball, they're not going to get up and be like, <laughs> that was me, oh yeah, <laughs> bring it on, right? Paul, um, or uh, in the Bible, you're only going to find two things that we're called to boast in, right? Boast in Christ, and then boast in your weaknesses. <laughs> Therefore, I will boast all the more glad in my weakness, so that my power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weaknesses, right? Insults, hardships, persecution, calamities, for when I am weak, I really am strong and strong in Christ. Our weaknesses is an opportunity for God to manifest his grace in your life, right? When I am weak, that thorn in the flesh that Paul's talking about, like that's an opportunity for God's grace to cover that. For him to be, his grace to be magnified in those situations, therefore I am going to be gracious with myself and my weaknesses and magnify his strengths where I am weak. How many, uh, uh, we're not too often proud of our shortcomings, but God is more at work in our lives through our weaknesses than we realize, and we need to receive God's grace for our weaknesses. Maybe you need to receive God's continued grace in your life, when you don't feel like you're enough, realize that God does make you enough, and he is enough for you. What area in your life do you need to let go of and let God's grace be a covering for you in 2019? So the first camp, you might be uh, not gracious with yourself, all right? Can you guess what the other camp you might fall in? <laughs> not being gracious with others, all right? Usually we tend to lean one or the other, right? We know that we want to be gracious with ourselves, but we also want to be gracious with others. And sometimes it's hard for us to be gracious for others. Steve reminded us in his message from Exodus 34, he says, he talked about like, uh, we see and experience God's grace and forgiveness, uh, uh, therefore we live a gracious life. Because of what God has given us, grace and forgiveness, therefore we can then live a gracious life as well. I think of it this way, if you, uh, we don't have time to um, read the passage today, uh, but if you go to Matthew 18 and look at it later, there's this, the parable of the unforgiving servant. The parable of the unforgiving servant. And uh, in that parable, um, I'll just fly over it if that's okay, give you the highlights here in Matthew 18. There is uh, a king there, or a master, I know this might be hard for some of you to read. Another good reason to sit towards the front on Sunday mornings, just saying. All right, there's a king and a master, all right, and then he has a servant in the story, all right, and this servant owes the master 10,000 talents. That's a lot of, talent, a lot of money, right? 10,000 talents. All right, we know a talent, roughly one talent, one T I'm going to put, roughly equals 20 years of wages. One talent equals 20 years of wages, roughly. He owes 10,000 talents. What does this equal? Overall, if we did the math, let me just think, uh, equals this, right? I haven't drawn this sign since algebra, right? It's like, uh, you can actually do the math and figure it out, but the point of the story is, like, he has a debt that he cannot possibly pay. 
There's no way he can pay it off. He can't pay it off in his lifetime. He has multiple lifetimes. It's a debt that he just cannot pay. It's just that fast, all right? It's an infinite number, right? And this, uh, the master is like, hey, you owe me this. And then he pleads with the master. He pleads with the king and says, like, you need to forgive me. And, and it says the master of the king has pity on him and forgives him of his debt, all right? What a gracious thing to do, right? But the story doesn't end there, right? Later we find out the, uh, obviously the king or master has more than one servant, but there's another one here in the story. And this servant then comes to this servant, all right, and says, hey, you actually owe me a hundred denarii. All right, sorry if you can't read my handwriting. All right, a hundred. And one denarii, just to put it in perspective, one D um, equals one day's wage, all right? So he owes about three months of wages. Three months of wages is what he owes, okay? This servant owes this servant, right? Three months of wages about, all right? This was uh, unpayable debt, all right? We would say three months of wages is a lot of money, but that's a payable debt, right? I owe more in my house than three months of wages, right? That's still a payable debt, all right? So he comes and says, I want my 100 denarii. He comes to this servant, and the servant's like, I don't have it right now. Can you give me more time? And his response is what? He grabs this other servant by the neck, it says. He chokes him and says, and demands his money right now. And when he can't pay it, he has this guy thrown in jail, right? Well, the master hears of this, what just happened, right? And we can say that he didn't respond favorably. He wasn't pleased with his reaction. He's like, how much have I forgiven you? You can't forgive this other servant? Really? There's a lot of theological apologies. We could talk about what that story all means that would require a sermon. Um, but basically, he's then thrown in jail, right? If you're not going to forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you. If you're not willing to be gracious with others, then I'm not going to give grace to you, right? So what does this mean for us? If you turn over your Bibles, turn to um, Ephesians. Just look at Ephesians. Go to chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says, uh, In him we have redemption through his blood that is in God. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the chosen people, us as believers, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he's lavished on us. It says, in all wisdom and insight. So um, in the story, this parable, uh, we can put ourselves in this, uh, this story too, right? That God, the king, the master is God, right? We see this in Ephesians 1, that he has given us the riches out of the riches of his grace he has lavished upon us, right? Those who have uh, called Christ their own savior. Lavish means like he's just saturating at us in us. Like we could take our spiritual loofah and we just have so much that we could spread it all over and we can lavish ourselves in it, right? Wash ourselves continuously. There's more there than what we even need to cover this debt that we cannot cover ourselves through Christ, right? So we see that in the text. So this is um, God is the master and he's been gracious with us and given us so much, right? And then if you turn over to Ephesians uh, 4, at the end of the chapter 4, it talks about, therefore put aside all bitterness, anger, wrath, malice, everything uh, that is not from God. And instead, in verse 31, or 32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as, as Christ is forgiving you, right? So we know this uh, servant over here represents others, right? 
So at times, when we're not gracious with others, this represents me, right? And God says there is no no opportunity for you to um, receive my grace for you and then cut off grace and forgiveness to others. We don't have the right to only be consumers of God's grace. We are called to be stewards of God's grace and freely give it to others. And when we do that, we display God's grace and forgiveness in our own lives as well. Our fifth G, um, let me say one more thing about gracious. Um, Thinking of 2009, you know, who in your heart, in your life, do you need to forgive, extend grace to, or mercy to in 2019? Our fifth G is generous. I put it this way. I'm eager to give of myself to the greater mission. When Steve uh, did this message, it was really great. He gave us the three T's, time, talents, and treasures, right? That we are uh, able to steward, and it's very memorable. Like, these are all areas in our life that we need to steward, and we can be very generous in. I love it. Maybe you saw the email yesterday, what Brent set out, highlighting how uh, even the 5G opportunity is coming along, and that we just had 30... 2,000 come in last week again. Thank you for being a generous church. And um, we're almost at getting close to 300,000 total to coming in, which is, is a truly amazing what God is doing. And then just all the people that are involved. When I think of time, talents, and treasures, sometimes the temptation is to start comparing with one another. And that's where I fall into at times in that trap of like, man, like, man, if that person just gave as much as me or that person just used their talents as much as me or maybe ah, I don't measure up to that person and I need to do better and I don't think that's God's intent or his desire or even our job. Reality is God has given some people more talents than others, some people more time than others. God has given more treasures to others. So comparing doesn't make sense horizontally. Instead, um, the question is more is how are you maximizing the three T's for the greater mission, right? Because there's a lot of things we can be generous in this life about, but what about the greater mission? To make disciples, right? The great commission. How can I be generous with my three T's? Whether I have a lot or a little, how can I steward them more in 2019 than even in this past year? Not asking you to do more, but just how can we steward more? These three T's in our life. I think of a, even Harvest Kids, and this um, is one of many examples. Like, we always... You know, we got a great Harvest Kids ministry down there, and the mission is being fulfilled. These disciples are being made, which is awesome, uh, through our Harvest Kids ministry. And we could always use more servers, though, right? So maybe through 2019, maybe it's like, you know, maybe, maybe we could steward our, our time or our talents just a little bit more, and maybe I could uh, be a little bit more late to lunch or uh, miss a little bit part of the game or whatever it is to make an eternal impact on the lives and souls of the kids that are down there. And that's a tough ministry, right? Uh, those kids are kind of weird. I have three kids down there. They're kind of smelly. They're not always going to listen to you. They might throw a Bible at you. That happened once. And uh, you're going to be exhausted. But realizing that you're making an eternal impact and investment, even if you don't see it that day, right, that God is faithful. And maybe it's like, oh, man, maybe I can steward my time, talents, treasures a little bit differently. Um, that's just one example of many, Right. For 2019, how am I going to steward my three T's more for God's glory in 2019 than other uh, than in 2018? How to live a 5G life in 2019? What are the five G's again? Glorifying, growing, 
grateful, gracious, and generous. All right, let me pray. Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you for another opportunity to open up your word. Thank you for the reminders from your word, Lord, and thank you for the spirit that uh, presses into us and into our hearts and lives and shows us how we can uh, live a life uh, that is fully pleasing to you, Lord, and help us to steward the things that you've given us so well for your glory and for your honor. Uh, We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.